This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Bill Fritch. He's born in Batesville, Indiana. He experiences a beautiful childhood with his father, Jim, and mother, Dolores, raising five children. He participates in high school activities and football, basketball, and track, and then he has a graduate at Ball State University, where he goes on to pursue what he enjoys doing most, and that's coaching. In 2017, he is diagnosed with glangiocarcinoma, liver cancer, and he's here to share his story with us today. Bill, thank you for coming by. Glad to be here. Today's sponsor is Hello Yoga World, yoga for the earth and all her citizens, powered by Web3 technology. Hello Yoga World is a global community yoga enthusiast combining ancient wisdom with crypto economics to elevate human consciousness and regenerate Mother Earth. Hi there, and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it, it's Cortez. If freezing shop is in it, it's Cortez. Leave your mark is about inspiring the world, one guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb, it's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. You have a very interesting story. It's, it like sounds like a Midwestern life and everything's kind of on cruise control. Yeah. And what I want to do is, is just kind of run through what life was like with you in Batesville, Indiana and having four siblings. Sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> I kid people about that. Then they come visit my town. They say you're exactly right. I basically grew up in Mayberry. Um, everybody knew everybody, you know, good, wholesome Midwestern town, small farming community, and everybody helped everybody else. It was just a giving attitude where it was a true community. And that sounds like one of the better places to grow up. So like it's small community. So what was that part like? Well, you know, again, double-edged swords. Everybody knows everybody, but everybody knows what everybody did. And as an athlete, if I was out late the night before a game, my parents heard about it through the neighborhood. Um, but again, the other side is, you know, you walk to school as a at five years old. You walk to kindergarten. Um, oh, wow. You don't have to worry about things like what they do today. Um, you played outside um, till the sun went down, and then one neighbor would call time to come in, and then. It would just be a chain reaction for all the other mothers or fathers to call time to come in. So, um, but, you know, we play all day. People had apple orchards and um, grapevines. And if we got hungry, we'd just knock on the door and say, hey, can we have a couple apples? We're hungry. Go ahead, go ahead and pick them. So, you know, you, you could just go outside all day long and uh, make your own fun. Yeah, that, that's those are great times in, in one's life. You get now, over there, you get the seasons also too, huh? Oh yeah, oh so, yeah, yeah. The time seems to creep by quicker in those moments. So now you're off into high school at Batesville High School, and you're playing three sports. Yeah, and you referenced to me that if you didn't play basketball, being from Indiana, there was going to be some questions that had to be answered so what, <laughs> well, they, what was your athletic career like in, in yeah, playing they, basketball yeah they didn't call it hoosier hysteria for nothing um but yeah i played football and was actually probably better at football i was mvp and leading tackler my senior year but yeah then you go straight into basketball and back when i played they didn't have classes so a class structure so all the teams played for one state championship which was four oh, wow. five high schools and uh, if you remember the movie Hoosiers, 
that's about what it was like at my school. You had the team that the parents just followed the bus to the games. My high school was 400 kids and we sat 3,200 people in the, in the uh, oh, wow. stands and it was standing room only every home game. Oh, that's exciting on a high school level. Oh yeah. Playing yeah. under the lights. Oh, playing under the lights. Yeah. If you made one section, made a regionals or semifinals as a small school, that was a big deal. Oh, um, wow. I'm yeah. but those are exciting times. So now you go on and graduate to go to Ball State University. What goes on when you're in college? Well, that was, again, kind of a Rudy story. You know, I'm studying, doing my shtick to get my degree. And I happened to be at a school that had a nationally ranked volleyball program, which was unheard of back then in the Midwest. West Coast, of course, had it. And Ohio State had a pretty good program. So, but everyone took PE classes, took the volleyball class, so they knew the basics of the game. And we out, we had more uh, fans go to volleyball than basketball. Oh, right. And, and I had a coach that was my teacher he pulled me out of class said you got a pretty natural athletic ability you want to train with us for a while and I said sure you know and two years later I'm starting on the team and we make it the NCA final four my junior year oh and wow so um yeah to go from never playing the game to uh playing at Poly Pavilion under you know with 20,000 fans and ABC cameras pretty exciting uh little That's very exciting there. wow <laughs> So just a natural at that sport. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I had, good, had a great setter and he taught me a lot and trusted me. So he made me he made me look better than I actually was, is what I tell him. <laughs> you know, that's kind of interesting because dynamics of teams. So some guys that just gel better with other players. And, yeah. and when you get the right mix of players, it seems to bring out the best in each of the uh, of the other ones. And it's just like, a, a, they'll reference it as chemistry or what have you, but yeah. it's kind of the mix of them matching up. That sounds like what you experienced. Yeah, and volleyball is especially like that because you can be the best hitter in the world, but if you don't have a passer that can pass the setter and the setter can give you a good set. So everyone is really reliant on the in play sync. before to give you success so yeah, yeah. it's six players that have got to gel instinctively yeah. and know what's going on wow no that's it that gets exciting when it works the right way so oh, now yeah. you come out of college and share with me what happens how life begins to take on its its journey well, I went and coached for a couple of years at Kansas State University as the assistant coach. And then from there, I got into sales with a furniture manufacturer that my dad was the sales director of. Um, liked it, but didn't love it. And then uh, got back into teaching and coaching for a while, then hooked up uh, in the uh, late 90s with the National Drug and Safety League, which I traveled a lot, but I loved it. We were setting up child safety programs in small towns that didn't have budgets for like stranger danger, block watch, anti-drug and gang information for the schools. Um, did that for 10 years and I covered most of New Mexico and Arizona and parts of Colorado. So I was on the road for about, oh God, 40, 45 weeks out of the year, but I was single. Um, and then from there I thought, okay, I can't be doing this for another 20 years. I got into real estate, but at the same time, I was always still coaching at the YMCA, volunteering and uh, doing other civic issues. Um, but the real estate started and uh, been do, was do, have been doing that ever since, since about 2002. So you're doing the real estate now. When did you go? Because you're currently living out west, correct? Yes, I moved to uh, California as part of the furniture uh, sales job. 
and Arizona was part of my territory and fell in love with it. Just fell in love with the desert and the uh, all the natural wonders that are in this state. Uh, the summers are a little challenging, but you know, nine months out of the year, it's great. And uh, there's always something to do. I've lived out here for well over 20 years and uh, I still haven't seen everything. So it's yeah. just a great place to Well, live. and you're a hiker too. Arizona is yeah. a beautiful state to, to be a hiker oh, in as well. Yeah, you said you, you could do a hike a, a week for 30 years and you still wouldn't hit half wow. the trails. <laughs> NFTs are appearing everywhere, even in yoga. Hello Yoga World is an NFT uniting people worldwide. People come to me beautiful artwork with unique elements of yoga and sacred geometry and stay for the heartfelt community. Global yoga and meditation events and collaborate with other people from around the world to build a more sustainable planet. To learn more or mint your art and join their community in making a global scale impact, visit helloyogaworld.com. Now, this leads us up to 2017 and uh, what happens in September. Yeah, it was a uh, interesting, I just fought my way through the real estate meltdown and was getting my business really going and, and boom, September 17, I had a little pain or just underneath my rib cage and I thought, well, maybe I got a gallstone because I'm 60 years old. Went to the emergency room. Of course, those things always happen on a weekend, so you can't see your primary. And they took an MRI or MRI, uh, a ultrasound and a CAT scan. And there was a lesion about the size of a pack of cigarettes on my liver and did a biopsy. And boom, within three days, they said, yep, you've got cancer. Um, and that started, of course, the shock hits you. People ask me what it's like. And of course, growing up in the Midwest, I said, the best thing I can liken it to is if you touch an electrical fence out on a farm and you get the sparkles in your eyes and your body goes numb. And that's about what it was like when they tell you you've got cancer. It's probably the most scary thing that can happen to an individual in a point blank shot uh, moment. You're describing the moment. Um, what were your thoughts when the, the doctor made the biopsy a reality? Like what, what went through you besides the shock? What did you think? It's a thousand things just hit your question. First of all, the doctor's talking to you, and it could be Mandarin because all you hear is cancer. And the right away thing is, is what kind? Is it curable? Am I going to be gone in three months? That's probably the biggest thing that everyone gets hit with that I've talked to in the past um, and present is your first gut is like, am I going to make it to Christmas? Like I said, it's hard to say because your mind just goes into overdrive and okay. it begins. And but the fear factor to hear that word, we've been hearing it for years, and all of a sudden you're one of the statistics now. Is uh, yeah, like I said, fear is probably the biggest thing that just hits you. Just fear, fear, fear. When you you calm down, and uh, who do you have around you as far as who you're gonna decide to do what you're gonna do to support you? Really lucky. I have a sister that's a doctor, and I have another one who is a uh, nurse assistant on the oncology floor at a hospital in Indianapolis. She's retired. She flew out right away because um, as for two weeks, you just get tests. They just tell you, show up here tomorrow, show up here tomorrow. And it's endoscopes, it's biopsies, it's scans. They just every day there was something 
for two weeks because they need to narrow it down to exactly what you have and uh, what the best treatment is. And luckily my sister came out. So I was able to show up and she knew what questions to ask and where we're going from there. But for two weeks, you're kind of in a limbo because they just tell you, okay, tomorrow you'll do this. We have to get all the results in. Um, and again, like 20 years ago, cancer was cancer. Now they're getting so sophisticated. They not only want to know what cancer is, but the mutation, your genetics and everything else, because it helps them pinpoint the treatment. But it's frustrating as a cancer patient because they don't tell you any of that till all the data comes in. Okay, and so now you go through this two-week period. So um, what are going to be the treatments that you decide to do uh, or the doctor suggests and, and how do they work out? Yeah, they have first uh, there are several protocols for my particular type, but just FYI, when they got through with all the biopsy um, and everything, it was pretty, I was on a short leash is what I tell people. Um, I tell people I was standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon with one hand, foot dangling over and it was a very windy day. Um, so they did not have a real good prognosis for me, but they said, well, let's start. It was a very tough six hour regimen, um, one week on, one week off. Um, and that was the start of it. Um, but I also found out at my hospital, the Virginia Piper Cancer Center in Scottsdale, had a wonderful until COVID mind, body, spirit department that it uh, uh, allows you to access free of charge, the nutritionist, um, meditation, Reiki healing, sound healing, uh, Tai Chi. And this were all through the hospital? This is all through the hospital. It yeah, because usually the traditional medicine places don't permit that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's like I said, it was cutting edge. And first thing I met was with the nutritionist and he goes, this is what okay. you should eat. This is what you shouldn't eat. All right. So you just jumped right into the uh, yeah, so one yeah. week on, one week off. Now, was it just chemo or was there other ingredients? Yeah, good question. It was chemo for the first, uh, oh, I want to say seven, eight months. And thank God I was uh, blessed to uh, have it shrink down to about the size of a ping pong ball. And then they hit it with radiation. Um, and then they just kind of had me on a maintenance. They backed it off a little bit. But then another year later in 2019, the spring, another spot popped up and we hit that with radiation and they switched the protocol to something called full Fox, which is again, a double chemical combo. And thank God the scan in September after the second dose of radiation, everything, I had scar tissue, but the radiation oncologist was almost convinced that was dead tissue, scar tissue. And I've been stable ever since. So and this is uh, from when? From 2019. So it'll be about three years in September that okay. I've shown no signs of active cancer. So you go for like an annual CT scan kind of thing? I, every three months. I guess. Oh, okay. Oh, you still keep pretty tight. Yeah. Now, what I wanted to ask you, you said when it came back, um, did you, besides the chemo, did you experience any laser therapy or any immunology where it was not, it was through the IV instead? Yeah, luckily, no, that is other protocols that are down the road. There's about five different thing, treatments that they have for my particular type of cancer. And luckily, we've only had to go through the second protocol. And right now I'm on once every three weeks, I go in this Wednesday for a maintenance, which is just, they hooked me up to a two day pump with a slow infusion 
I feel bad for about two days, kind of like I have a bad cold. And then I've got three weeks of being normal. Um, and again, luckily through this whole process, and my sister's amazed and my doctors and nurses told me, I didn't lose a pound. I had minimal side effects, but I also believe it was the meditation, uh, Reiki healing, which is laying on the hands. Biblically, it'd be basically saying laying upon the hands, bringing down God's grace. I'm convinced all that is what helped with the not only the side effects, but my healing. The nutrition slowed the cancer. The Reiki, the meditation slowed the cancer, allowed the chemo, in my opinion, to jump ahead and beat it back because most people with my type don't like make it a year. It's right up there with pancreatic cancer. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to, listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. So Vince. let me ask you this. Share with me a little bit about your diet. Um, I'm always curious about how people choose to eat moving forward on this. It's... um. The food is a big deal because once you get sick with this uh, and you're paying attention to the ingredients in food like never before, yeah. about 80%, 85% what's in a regular grocery store is not good for you. Yep. And well, um, so what, what, where did you shop and what did you eat? Well, I went to grocery stores and I go to Sprouts, um, which is more of a whole, you know, health food uh, grocery store and they get local farmers and everything. Um I was worried. I had a friend, little story about that. I had a friend come out, one of my volleyball friends, and we were at spring training and we're sitting at uh, uh, watching a game and during braces. Was it hard to change your diet? And I said, well, when they tell you you got to pack a cigarette tumor on your liver, your learning curve goes pretty vertical. But it was pretty simple, you know, and we all know it. We hear it every day on the news and everything. Stay away from red meat, stay away from fast food, stay away from processed foods. Um, my nutritionist wanted me to eat seven cups of fresh fruit and vegetables that were outlined that helped slow down cancer. And I do a smoothie every day that has about four and a half cups right at the start of the morning. And then I also do turmeric, uh, ginger, cinnamon, olive oil, which are anti-inflammatories, which help slow down cancer and also better for the cells to get the infl inflammation is a big hitter. But the cruciferous uh, family, which is broccoli, bok choy, asparagus, cauliflower, kale, shards, that's a big part of my diet. Um, lots of uh, fresh fish, salmon, sardines, okay. you have the high oils. Not a hard thing. You know, every once in a while, cheeseburger, I'll still have a cheeseburger. Yeah. I just stay away from the sugars, big time the sugars. It's and, the issue of the discipline. You, it, yours is very encouraging because it didn't sound like it was a hard transition for you. Well, yeah. And again, I kind of got my my uh, athletic background mindset in that we're going to kill this. But yeah, okay. just little things like, um, you know, during the Christmas time after diagnosis, I was at a meditation class. and They said, hey, Bill, there's cookies over there. I said, no, they've got sugar. And they go, well, one cookie isn't going to kill you. I said, yeah, but it could keep excuse me, 10 cancer cells alive for one more day. Why should I do that? And that was kind of my mindset once I get over the initial shock and fear that this is a war. And it's a war on, a, on an emotional level and a physical level. Yeah. You, get, you get challenged to all your worth, that's for yeah. sure. Well, I want to congratulate you on your remission. Thank you. Yep. And I want to ask you before you go, how would you like to leave your mark? 
Um, that's a great uh, statement. And it's funny because a lot of people, I think, go through life if I made a difference. And the number of people that have come out of the woodwork to support me is astounding. And so my mark is now to pay it forward, help as many people as I can through this journey, and uh, just show that love is the way to change the world. And as one person, you can change the world one person at a time. And I work on that daily. It's beautiful. Thank you. Well, I'm going to thank you for coming by and sharing your story with me. Do you have any links or any place that we can follow your journey? Not yet. I'm working on that this year because now I'm in a position where, again, my last scan, there's virtually nothing showing up now. So the body's absorbed the scar tissue. So I'm writing a book right now on my journey and uh, the spiritual aspect of the and the body's ability to heal itself if you get in the right mindset. But you also have to incorporate Western medicine, but no links at this time. But uh, you have my email address and my uh, physical address. Be happy to help anybody at any time with a phone call or email. We'll be sure to stay in touch with you. So when those things go live, yeah. uh, we can share them with our audience and yeah. they can kind of catch up with you then. But Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks again for coming by, Bill. Thank you. It was an honor to meet you. It was an honor to be part of this because, you know, there's so many good people out there that are going, not only going through this, but everyone has challenges. And uh, if we pull together rather than working about worrying about differences, we can make a big difference. And you're doing that right now. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. You have a great day. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez.